You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Armand. What's going on, man? I got my brain-busting question for you that you were so worried about. You ready for it? All right, let's let's do this. First off, that is a beautiful beard. Second off, does that make you feel powerful? Like I'm being 100% like honest here. Like this because I'm trying my hardest to grow any little sliver of hair that makes me not look like I'm 10 years old. I uh, so I, I worked retail management for many many years. And I, I always got yelled at to cut it, you know, so it was like, like this, which looks ridiculous because my head is way too big and round. And I just look like a basketball with a little bit of hair. So as soon as I went full time as an author, like the literally the first thing I was like, I'm growing this damn thing out. So uh, nine years of full time being an author and my wife every now and then trims all the dead ends and, and there's a little bit of gray in it. I don't know if you can see that. A touch of gray, touch of gray. A touch. Yeah. Now you said you're being an author. So what exactly are you writing about? Are you writing fiction, nonfiction? I, I write both. I write uh, I write crime thrillers. I write horror books. I write contemporary fiction. I also write some nonfiction. Um, I'm a I'm a self published author, and I also work with a bunch of different small presses. So I'm what's known as a hybrid. Now, where did the initial inspiration come from? Because like. It takes a lot to write a book. I didn't really understand. Everyone's like, I should write a book or you should write a book. Like you, you hear that get tossed out like 24 seven. It, it's, it's, it's just doesn't make sense to me because like I thought about it at one point, should I write a book? No, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't have the time, the patience to, I mean, crafting on essays for school were so difficult, but like the ability to be able to write a book is something that is extremely difficult. For instance, very few books in my life have ever been able to paint a picture for a kid with ADHD. And that it's hard to really transform what you want or what you envision for a reader. And that is one of the most tasking things. So I'm, I'm curious, how, how did you come across that you had even the ability to be able to do this? Uh, when I was a teenager, when I was like 12, I read, I started reading Dean Koontz books and a lot of different horror books. And I loved it. I mean, I fell in love with reading at a very early age and it was always something I wanted to do. So I wrote a ton of really, really awful, awful stories as a teenager that went nowhere. And I think for me, it was the encouragement of my mother, who is still to this day is a huge uh, horror book reader. And she, you know, read all my dumb stories and, and encouraged me, but she also pointed out what was dumb with them and, and what, uh, you know, things I was doing wrong, even at an early age, I thought, which was great. And I got my very first short story published uh, when I was still in high school. I was a senior in 1988, which, uh, totally dates me out. I just turned 51 a few days ago. And I know I look, I'm in my twenties, but I'm actually a lot older. You've been moisturizing. And, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. And so for me, it was, it was something that's always, I've always, I've always written. I've always, I, I still to this day read a lot. And it was one of those, it was, it was the, the dream. It was always the thing that I always wanted to do. And it just took me a lot of years and a lot of false starts uh, you know, to get to this point where I'm making enough money to make a living at it. And, um, you know, just, I'm, I'm literally living the dream. 
would you like is does it ever get difficult though like because i mean i look at like things that have already been created everybody's already like well everything has already been created they're so hard to create content or create something that's different than anything else you could either listen to watch or read and it's like it's trying to turn it on a new twist like if you looked at like the only really horror stuff i've ever really enjoyed were things like rob zombie's house of a thousand corpses that scared the living shit out of me at like the age of 14 i saw that at a bike shop but seeing the how far you can push the boundary of when you look at it like this is a psychopathic film like reading a book reading a or even watching a movie a lot of the scenarios are kind of the same basis when it comes to things so what separates you from the rest you know you, you give it your own take you give it your own character so i mean at at the you know at the core of it you're still if i'm writing a horror book so like behind me here's the beast which is a bigfoot book so oh. how do I make how do I make my Bigfoot book different? Well, it's based on I'm originally from New Jersey, and I originally grew up. I was born in Newark, and I grew up in Middletown, New Jersey. So I set this book based on an urban legend from when I grew up. I remember as a kid, uh, the Beast that there was a Bigfoot living in Porcy Park in a in a park near my house. So when it came time to write this book, and the publisher said, "Hey, we want a Bigfoot book." That was my first thing. So I set it in 1986 and a lot of the characters in it are, you know, parts of friends and different things. And a, a lot of um, not real stuff, but you know, like that. So that's my take. I could have easily written, Oh, let's go to the Pacific Northwest and write a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch book or, or write a Yeti book or whatever. But for me to make it a little bit different, uh, probably not a lot of people have set Bigfoot in New Jersey in 1986 is the way I looked at it. I, I kind of talk about a little bit that our initial, I guess, point in life, something that we have when we're kids or something that we may might have started with, like given to in the beginning, ends up, we end up turning kind of back to it later in life, like something like, oh, well, you grew up in a, a clock store. Next thing you know, the dude went to college, went and did all these other things and end up coming back to own his own clock store. Like you're pulling out initial inspirations or things, memories, things that your mind went to when you were a kid and such as putting it in a book, like the Bigfoot thing. That's a scenario any kid that watches like the X-Files. I watched the X-Files New Jersey Devil. When that came on, I thought New Jersey Devil was in my town of Delaware or where I was at, at my grandparents' house. I was so deathly afraid that it was outside my window or something. That could end up be turning into a play is kind of what you did is the fact of you wrote that as like, imagine like looking at your window, New Jersey, Bigfoot was in that park. You used that idea and placed them there. I mean, it's initial inspiration from where it started in the beginning. And it's all those things as growing up as a kid and even into adulthood, you, you remember a lot of that stuff and you pull from those memories. Even though I'm writing fiction, a lot of the stuff in my books, you know, has to do with, with real, you know, things. So I, I wrote a, a series, uh, I'm writing a, the third and last book called Keyport Cthulhu. And Keyport is a real town in New Jersey. It's a little fishing village, really creepy. And Cthulhu is obviously uh, Lovecraft, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, his mythos. So I combined the two because even just living there, the years that I lived there, it felt like I was in a H.P. Lovecraft horror story because the, the people who lived there had been living there forever. And you were an outsider no matter how long I lived there. And you'd walk down Main Street and there was no, there was, you know, there's no McDonald's, there was no uh, chains at all. And um, everybody knew each other. But if you were an outsider, 
which is how I felt. I was always going to be on the outside living there. And years later, when I, I decided, you know what, I want to write a Lovecraft, I want to write a cosmic horror um, story. And it immediately, you know, it immediately went back to, let me set this actually in Keyport, which is neat because people over the years who have read the series that live there or know the area in New Jersey have commented and said, oh my God, the, the creepy feeling, the mood that you set in those those books, it's exactly how it is or how it used to be, you know? That's kind of, um, it's, that's, that's interesting you say that because I, uh, I was just about to bring up anybody that's from that area that's reading that is going to be like, holy crap, this is like, this is where I'm at. This is like, this is the whole scenario. It's like they can kind of have that fantasy in their head. It seems like a lot of places kind of paint a broad spectrum picture of places or vague or fantasy islands or something that hits this spot of where no one can really find that deep connection to. And if anybody that doesn't live there reads the book, then they want to visit there. You know what I mean? Like I had somebody comment on one of my past videos where it's like, finally, I found a podcast that is from, that's a Baltimore accent or something. I'm like, oh, apparently I have a Baltimore accent that somebody likes, but it's that connection. Whenever I hear, if I'm listening to my favorite comedian on his podcast, and he brings up a memory of living in he would go down to ocean city where I live. And I'm like, Holy, like, it's like, I immediately get perked up. Cause then he starts mentioning places and these things. And I'm like, Oh my God, I've been there. I know what he's talking about. I actually, like, I feel like I'm in on the joke or I'm in on the story. Yeah. And it's that personal connection. I, I loved it. So because I grew up in New Jersey, a lot of my stories are going to buy either set up in New Jersey or the Northeast. And then I've been in Florida for 20 years now. So then a lot of other books are set here. I'm about to say, how many books have you written since you've moved to Florida? Um, well, so I have, I think I have almost 200 releases right now. That includes short stories and novels and novellas and stuff. So do they I, take place in Florida, the 200? Uh, no, all, they're all over the place. But I, I'm going to guess a lot of them are in Florida. A lot of them are New Jersey. And then other ones are set in different places. Usually if I visited somewhere i can uh, i can write about it like atlanta uh, there's there's a couple of, of that are set in atlanta but then there's also like philly a couple that are set in um in maine or massachusetts new york i mean it, really I, I write all over because luckily I, i've traveled a lot and i get to see places and while obviously i've never been to brazil but i i have a book that's mostly set in brazil and the cool part with like google earth now is you can literally spend hours in brazil moving up and down the streets and and looking at it and then doing your research and stuff so a lot of and most of my research is food anyway I, for some reason i write well i'm a big guy i write about food a lot in all of my stories so that was a lot of fun as well to be able to explore uh you know a city in brazil without ever, ever actually going there you have the best content creator in the world is the fact that you live in Florida. You know how many stories people talk about everything that comes out of Florida? It's like if you looked at like, you should write a book on this, aliens up in outer space, just viewing Earth like a television series. Every single TV they have in their little spaceship is a different state. Florida is just their prime time of like, there's some crazy stuff that is always yeah. happening here. We watch, uh, we watch Investigation Discovery a lot. My wife, that's my wife's favorite channel. And probably 80% of the time, it's, there's a Florida connection. And I always, because she's from here, and I always goof and I always go, up oh, Florida again. And it's true. And her thing is, no, no, it's all them, the crazies from the Northeast that are coming down here and killing people here. 
and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of crazies here too. We've we've met a lot of crazies over the years here as well. Do you find it that like, for instance, like you haven't done a crime thriller probably in Ocean City, Maryland, right? Okay, so do you think that it's easier to write a story based on the state that might experience something like that, like the likely possibility? Like, for instance, if I was going to write a horror or a crime thriller or a true crime type book, I would aim probably towards maybe this scenario takes place in New York or maybe this scenario takes place where it's pretty common that there's a murder compared to other places. Like you're not going to see that in Hawaii, really. Or do you find it that you want to steer against the norm, which is more of like, let's do a crime thriller in Hawaii. Let's do a crime thriller in Alaska, where it's like, you've got all this snow around. Where are you going to find the body? But it's like, there's not that many people living out there. So it doesn't seem like the high priority choice. Yeah, I, I try to I try to be different. Like so I, I try not to set everything in the same places, but a lot of times I will set different scenes in different places. Um so like in one of my short stories, there's they they go to Baltimore. And it, it, it just so happens that we me and my wife had gone back up to New Jersey, and on the way we were like, you know what, let's go, let's go, uh let's go be fancy and visit museums. Well, for us that means the Pez Museum and the comic book museum in Baltimore. So we went to an Orioles game. We went and we saw the the comic book museum that used to be there, basically catacorner to the stadium. And so I, I got a lot of ideas as I'm in Baltimore. I wrote a short story or two, um, you know, in that setting because I've been there. And so a lot of times, if it's in the U.S., especially if it's on the East Coast, I've probably visited there or we're going to visit there, or I have no idea that I'm going to write about that at all. It's just we go and an idea hits and if it stays if the idea stays with me then likely it's going to be in a story at some point what's an idea you've given up on i mean i've given up on thousands of ideas things that you know when i was younger i used to write everything in a notebook so i always carried this little notebook with me and like i would i would go out to to dinner and i would there would be a conversation between two people and i would jot down notes of what they're talking about thinking this is great and then later on, I'd be like, I don't even remember this conversation. So over the years, I don't write any of that down. My thing is, if I can remember that conversation weeks later, then that was a good enough conversation to put into a story. Or I might be writing a story and something will pop up. So my wife will read my book sometimes and she'll laugh and she'll say, I know exactly who you're talking about. It's in a different context, but you know, it's people or it's conversations that are, are real that have ended up in some of my stories. So not everything is fiction. It's just fictionalized the way that I will write it. Kind of like the power of a narrator or the power of a writer. It's interesting because like you could write something, let's say a short story, like, you know, Sasquatch goes to dinner or something as a joke. But when you're writing it, you can have like, the main character have a conversation that could be based on a real conversation that you've actually had, where if you sent that book to the person you had the conversation with, they would know exactly what you were talking about at that moment. Like, Oh, you use that. Like you get to see the pull of the initial inspiration. Like um, I had a, one of my best friends, his older sister is um, like a huge inspiration into my life when I was a little kid. I mean, I, they're basically family to me, but she was writing lo- like love poems and love like, novels and stuff and i was reading them and i was like i know exactly where you're pulling this inspiration from a lot of this is from like past relationships that you've had like boyfriends you've had over the house when i was a little kid like playing call of duty or something on the tv and they would come in like fights you guys would get in 
And uh, it, it's interesting because it was like you had a little insight into it. And it's even harder, I would say, to try and incorporate the audience that really doesn't understand what that conversation was to be able to understand what that inner perspective is. Because I think that's what everyone wants. It's why secret menu items, it's why all these things are so damn fascinating is the fact of like, you want to feel like you're in it, like you know a secret and somebody let you in on that. Right. So it's, it's like you want to put in like those Easter eggs of things. So people who do know me, when they read my stories, they under, they understand uh, a lot of that. They'll, they'll have either had that conversation or I've, I've told them this conversation, whatever. And I think that's, you know, it, it makes it more personal to a lot of people. And then the readers who don't know that feel like they're there, you know, cause you know, so the thing is always write what you know, but it's, it's right with what you know, as in you've, you've had these conversations. It's, 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 fictionalized versions of real life of real things that are going on so i've had a a, a a ton of different things in my stories in my books and stuff which is neat because people will figure it out or our friends when they've read a book they will come back and they'll go i, I this was me or i know this person or they think they know where i got it from which is always funny and then just you know we're all on social media now so a lot of my stuff is going to be is going to be on there so when people see that also slip into you know my favorite coffee or uh, you know what i'm eating uh m&ms you know different things like that my my uh, insane funko pop collection those types of things uh and then they see that mentioned in a book somewhere they already know they laugh because they're like oh, okay this is this is a part of him that's real have you ever tried to write yourself into one of your stories uh a kind of without uh so i i wrote um i wrote a series called flagler beach fiction series which was contemporary fiction is basically characters uh seven book series and in one uh, i used to sit in a place called kokomo's cafe and i wrote all of those books and it was based on a lot of it was based on conversations of people around me and so in one of the books one of the stories i actually write one of the characters notices like the like who's hey, who's the who's the fat guy in the corner with the computer all the time like I see him here every day uh, kind of thing and that was basically putting myself into the story without going through you know naming me or anything but like just little things like that where people uh, who knew I was writing there that every day I wrote these books sitting in that cafe um, you know they laughed because they knew that basically I, I put myself into the story. So you actually went to a coffee shop to write? I always hear people doing that, but I always think like after five minutes, I'm ending up playing pinball on my computer or something. <laughs> well, my son at the time, my son was in high school. So I would drive him to, uh, we had moved, and but I still he still wanted to stay in the high school that he was at. So I would drop him off every morning and it was like 45 minutes. So it wasn't worth going home for me. So I would drop him off and then I would go from like eight to two, I would go sit in the cafe and uh, drink a lot of coffee and have lunch and have conversations. I knew everybody in and out. You know, it was a little, uh, Flagler Beach is a little beach town uh, right on A1A in Florida. So tons of people were coming in. I had great conversations and every day I just, I wrote and, um, and I ended up finishing seven books basically of, of real places around that town. That might be the best credit Starbucks has today. Of like, because their customer service is not the best. 
what would you what would you can say out of all the things you write about or all the things you think about what is the what is what's the topic what's like what's the one that gets you the one that you're passionate about where you're writing about it, you're like i want to keep this book going i want to make this the longest series or something because i mean i'm interested in cryptids but you are you more fascinated in true crime writing those you know for me it's the characters i'm more interested in putting two characters together sitting at a table and see what happens see two different people two different mindsets of what they talk about so for me it it doesn't start with a plot it doesn't start with a genre it really just starts with creating characters for me and and seeing what they would do in a situation and for so for me that's really the fun of it to you know i i my favorite books that i read are i always say um i would i would read this book if nothing happened if these two people just had a conversation for 200 pages because they're fascinating because you can have a great plot but if you have bad characters, that, that book is garbage and I'm not going to read it. But if you have a, a, a right plot, but the characters are so great, I don't care what they're doing. I'm going to read those characters to the end. Hmm. Because I'm trying to think some of the books that I've read that really captivated my attention were something I could put my scenario in. They weren't really the most interesting of characters. They were just a way of being able to be relatable. I think that's the whole aspect of things too, is trying to find something that's relatable. Have, even having uh, Bigfoot, for instance, that's relatable because people know who Bigfoot is. It's not like you tossed out like the Pope licking monster and people are like, who the hell is the Pope licking monster? <laughs> like, Well, if you lived in Pennsylvania, you would know who that monster is because that's the cryptid of that state. So it's like, you got to have that it's just it's interesting to hear how your process works because as a person that wants to read but it's very very hard to like steven um what's his name if i say steven spielberg he's an author isn't he that's his name wrote Ten Thousand leagues under the sea stephen king yeah stephen king um stephen king like he talked about he would take inspiration from people like you did like you were saying you were doing from people that he would just come across in everyday life like he would make like who is this character that is just like that's that's a karen that is a karen like you would like that just that 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 term but he would come across that in his everyday life and throw that scenario into the book but he would just like expand it out more make it more maybe outrageous than it actually was and it's just it that's inspiring to me to see where someone's brain can take something like you can hold on to like a memory for instance and then glorify it up to much more than it actually was right well as a writer i'm always writing even when we're out to dinner so when me and my wife first started dating um she's like me she loves she eavesdrops she wants to see what's going on she's a people watcher and i i would make up stories about people like i would point i'd go see these two i said this is their first date well how do you know well because the way He's so attentive and, and stuff. So they haven't slept together yet. And I would I would go through this off the top of my head, this whole scenario of what's going to happen and and uh, and what happened. Now, I don't I don't know if it was true or not. They might have been married for all I know. But uh, it's 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 the fun of writing for me. You know, it's the fun of you know making up stories about people. So as as we're going along, we started doing that where we would be somewhere. Uh, we would be in Walmart and afterwards I would, I would, I would have a thousand stories because people going to Walmart are generally insane uh, with conversations and stuff. And, you know, somebody, somebody said on an interview once, they said, where do you get your inspiration from? I said, you know, as a writer, and I said, go to Walmart for an hour, just go walk around and listen to people and, and see how they're dressed and how they behave and interact with each other. There's about a thousand horror stories right there. 
creating a backstory is kind of dangerous though because there used to be a guy that goes to my gym and he has no legs he has like the metal stuff like i guess pro fake prosthetics and he always wore like a little bit of camo like camo shorts when he worked out so i was like dude's been in the war uh probably lost his legs and then because that wasn't uncommon for this area so a lot of people retire down here. So I was like, I'm not going to ask. That's insensitive. So after like five years or something, we stroke up a conversation. I was like, dude, I just have to ask, man. I've seen you for the longest time, not watching you through a window or anything creepy, just from working out here. How'd you get that? He goes diabetes. And I was like, oh, like I had built up this huge yeah. backstory in my head of this <laughs> scenario. Like he jumped on a grenade or something. And then right. it's like, nope, it didn't turn out that way. And that's, and that's, and that's, you know, that's, that's, I guess, as a writer, that's the fun of it, because you can make up any story you want about that person, but you're basing it on, you know, a couple of things. You're basing it on uh, his, you know, uh, prosthetics, and he's wearing camo, and your mind will go in a million directions with that, you know, and either, either way, the real story or what you have in your head could be a great character, as long as you, you make him you know, as long as you make him human and you, you give him pluses and minuses and strengths and weaknesses and everything else. Um, Not really even like the writing has the ability of like being a, an observer, like kind of observing your surroundings and being able to incorporate them. And I guess adding creativity, like a dash of creativity with the aspect of you get to glorify or expand out these characteristics or personality things that could turn into this amazing, fascinating tale. Yeah, and that's again, that's the fun of of being a writer because you can go, you can go anywhere you want with it, and um, there's really no there's really no limit to what you can what you can do with with you know that character right there. My mind, if I sat down for five minutes, my mind would go in fifty different ways, and I would say, okay, the the thing everybody's going to think is this guy lost his legs in the war. That's the obvious one. But what's the what's the not so obvious one? that's more than he was a diabetic you know what i mean so where's 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 the middle that it makes sense right there and 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 that's what you that's kind of how you start working it that's how you start as a writer you start creating those characters he chopped off his leg because he's the, he's the survivor of a rob zombie house of a thousand corpses <laughs> scenario well that makes sense now when it comes to horror though what what's what scares you come on so here's the here's the funny part with me i do not watch horror movies i haven't watched a horror movie since i was a kid probably you know the original halloween and friday the 13th and when it was uh, good yeah on elm street You're right back then that's what i grew up on so i grew up on all of those 80s uh movies and stuff and then i really just got i got bored with it i got i i, I wasn't a fan of um, the really extreme stuff, you know, I'm not a fan of like, so I saw the first saw and I liked that, but then it was, then it got a little bit ridiculous and hostile and human centipede and all these crazy over the top. It turned into fast and furious. It's like you should have stopped at one. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, I just got bored with that. And, uh, so for me, you know, it's not necessarily the, the, the scare anymore. It's, um, it's just being entertained. So when me and my wife first started dating, she said, um, she said, I don't watch horror movies. And I said, me neither. I said, which is fine. I said, we can watch a Jennifer Aniston romantic comedy and I'm happy. Um, I said, I write this stuff, but I don't necessarily watch. Now I, I still read horror, but I don't read the extreme stuff. I don't read, 
um, I, I like more of a quiet horror. I like more of a slow burn and, um, you know, that little old school haunted house type of thing rather than, okay, let's read a book about a serial killer and we're going to talk about him eviscerating, you know, 50 people. In the whole book. the whole movie and horror industry, I feel like it just got tainted for a lot of the older like folks that really want to watch horror movies after basing it off what they saw as the originals, like you were saying, or looking at how the newer generation has been born into this nothing but gore, decapitated heads everywhere, mutilated bodies, and then everything always has to get like zombie strippers was the worst fucking movie I've ever spent. I don't even know why I thought that was a good movie in my life, but it's just the concept of like, they used to be able to scare you back in the day without showing you a damn thing to where you didn't see a single thing of the monster. You didn't rely on CGI. You didn't rely on anything. And I think that's where we need to take it back to. Like, I'm a big fan of M. Night Shyamalan's movies, even though people don't like the twists or don't like all this type of stuff. I'm like, it's just a way of trying to get a story in there without just basing it off of, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The whole thing is you want to see, it's like watching NASCAR. You want to see somebody crash. You hope they're okay, but you want to see that, that, that conflict. And I'm like a good story or a good show or movie or series, whatever you want to say, can show you that without being as graphic as possible, which this market right now is just saturated with. Yeah. And that's, and that's the problem. That's kind of where, where I got, I got bored with it and I really got away from, you know, watching like, you know, those. So it's funny because my kids will go, oh, you know, American Horror Story. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not interested in watching that. You know, or even like Rob Zombie movies. I've never seen any of them. I've seen parts of them. Um, I'm fascinated by the writing. I'm fascinated by where his inspirations are and everything. But I'll read a book about the movie, <laughs> the making of the movie, rather than actually watching the movie. Because for me, I don't want to see blood and guts. I don't want to see all the all the splatter and all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I go to a convention every year called Scares the Care up in Williamsburg, Virginia. It's a charity one. And Sid Haig, before he passed, you know, uh, he was there every year and people would always ask him about, you know, Captain Spaulding and all these different things. And, uh, you know, it was fun listening to his answers because it, it was, you know, while he enjoyed it, it was just it was just another movie. You know, it was just another thing for him. So I got, I got the guys, of course, they're mowing the lawn right now. It's the perfect time. You ever read a horror movie about them? Like, what happens if I threw you into the wood chipper? <laughs> yeah. So always have, no matter what, no matter what I'm recording, they, this this guy feels like he, it's either the guy cutting my lawn or the guy next door. He's cutting his lawn. So, what's um the comfort zone? Like, where the, where's the like? Because you you mentioned that you were kind of writing stories based on like how your mom was like really into horror. Was it that kind of like an inspiration? the whole factor of like maybe you were trying to write something that she could read and enjoy like a way of connecting um you know i think that i think that's a part of it i mean you know obviously you you want to you want your parents to be proud of you uh consciously or subconsciously i mean i i had a great relationship growing up with my parents uh and she was very very supportive of that but yeah i mean i i was writing i was writing books that uh, at first, I don't think my mother wanted to. My mother didn't want to read. My mother wouldn't read. And then I started writing books. And I'm like, Ma, here, here's a copy because I gave her a copy of everything. But you can't read this because it's so over the top or graphic. And I wrote a lot of um, crazy books, especially in the beginning. And now I've kind of mellowed out where you don't need all the violence. You don't need the profanity. A lot of that can happen off screen and, you know, still freak a reader out. 
or or make them enjoy it more. So I think it's definitely one of those things with me where I'm, I'm uh, you know, you 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 want her to be proud, and she is, and she she loves and she brags to all of her friends, and uh, when she goes grocery uh, to the grocery store, and she'll wear some of my shirts and different things, but. That's got to feel good. I, I don't think once in my life so far that I've ever gotten anything put on the fridge, like at all. See, and I have, and I have a, a lot, and she has, she has my books, uh, probably about a hundred books that's, uh, you know, in her bookshelf. She has a whole shelf and a half. Did that you are charge her books. for your autograph? <laughs> I would do that. I would do that. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, uh, last or 2017, I wrote a, a nonfiction book about baseball and, a lot of that was growing up in a in a baseball family. Uh, you know, I grew up a Red Sox fan. My my mother and my brother are Yankees fans, and my dad's a Detroit Tigers fan. And there's a lot of those stories. And I got to interview my parents for the book and stuff. And I and I think that for me that was kind of the the thank you to my dad because my dad, um, you know, taught me how to be a baseball fan, and my dad's taught me a lot of things in life. So. Um, yeah, you know, you you want to you want to do that. You want your parents to be proud of you. You want people to um, people that I grew up with, and and you know the bad people, the people that um, you know. I, I've been divorced twice in the past, and I always joke that I've killed those two about a million times in my stories and stuff. But it's also that um, you know, it's it's for me. It's also that uh, look what I did without you. Look what I, you know, look what you because you pushed me down, because you held me down for so long. And you told me that this was a hobby, that this was stupid, that I needed to just keep working and shut up and stop writing and wasting time and not spend time with you. And now look where I am. I'm, I'm doing this for a living and I'm making more money than I've ever made. And I'm making more money than you'll ever make. And it's, it's, it's kind of that screw you, which I love. It's amazing to think how much something can mean to somebody and how little it can mean to somebody else. Yeah. And it's all, it, again, it's characters. It's all a matter of perspective and angle. And, you know, are you selfish? Or are you, you know, do you want to give? I'm a, I'm a huge believer in karma. Um, the authors that helped me along the way, that was basically give back. And I mentor several authors and I still do. I mean, I do a, a, a podcast called the Mondo Method Podcast, me and another author, Chuck Buddha. And we basically, we help. We I'll, I'll tell you all the bad things I've done in this career. I'll tell you all the good things I've done. And we answer listener questions and we do, um, we'll do sprints every Sunday together. And it's just, it's, I don't expect anything except for pass it along, you know, pay it forward. And I, like I said, I'm a huge believer in karma. And that's, I think for me, that's a, that's a, a, a big thing. And that's why I'm where I am in my career. What's the worst thing you've ever done in your career? I think listening to, listening to my ex-wives or listening to a girl, I had a girlfriend for six years that um, basically told me I was wasting my time and I, and I bought into that and I didn't write. I mean, I, I, I spent years not writing and jotting down ideas and never really feeling like I had the time to write these ideas and stuff. And I wasted years. You know, um, you know, I started becoming a full-time writer in my in my 40s, and I started writing when I was 12. So a lot of those years were really wasted because I didn't I didn't believe that I could be anything more than a retail manager. That this was my life. You know, knockout. I, here I have some. I have three kids, and that's this is my life, and I'm going to do this for 
I'm going to do retail for 80 hours a week and hate every second of it until the day I die to pay the bills. That's like, it's like the same thing as being a musician. Like there might be a lot of them out there, but how many of them actually get published or how many of them actually get signed? Just that odds puts, gets put in your head. Next thing you know, you're already doubting yourself that you don't even think you should be able to do this thing. And it really sucks if you have someone that's telling you that you should give up or you should, because how many people out there have the ability to either draw amazingly, but have never taken the time to do a comic book or something on the aspect of, that's just what everyone has told them it's a waste of time you're never going to make it and that's and that's and that's what it comes down to um i read an article probably about five or six years ago that said the average the average author uh makes less than 500 dollars a year and most authors are gonna are not gonna put out more than three books before they give up does the, does the technology affect that at all? Like Barnes and Nobles, at least in my area, have all been shut down like blockbusters. So I have to think with the technology age coming through, how many of your books are going straight to, um, or it might even spark up the fact that you might get more sales. Cause a lot of people love that paper in the hand. Like I like them. You know, I do, I do well equally with, uh, with ebook, you know, and it's mostly Amazon uh, print book and then audiobook as well. I'm doing really, really well, especially since the pandemic. Uh, my my audiobooks have gone through the roof, so I do I do well, you know, online, and then I do you know book signings. I used to do conventions all the time as well until everything happened. So uh, it's 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 a weird mix of uh, some months I do better at certain things, or certain books will do better than others. Um, you know, the horror books is probably equal ebook. Uh, audiobook or print books, but then other books like the nonfiction book, I it will be mostly print books. Probably seventy percent of that baseball book is I'm I'm uh, they're buying the the print version of it because they want it for the bookshelf or as a gift for someone. Have you ever thought about taking it to audio drama? Like that's a pretty big series that's getting big. Like I know you said you got a podcast, but if you're a writer, it would be so much easier to switch it over to an audio drama. You know, I've had some stories that have been on um, other podcasts who do that, a couple of short stories and stuff. For me, I mean, it's, it's basically just, it's still just writing the story. I, I don't, uh, I don't have the patience to, I wouldn't have the patience to do it myself and to hire a narrator. I mean, I'm already doing that for my audiobooks and I'm making money that way. And I think if the technology and everything, I think of it in advance where, I was actually making money doing it. Um, I, I, I think then my, my attitude would change, but I do, I do podcasts not for, um, you know, I, I do it not for the money. There's, there's no direct money doing it, but I'll have advertisers who will basically pay. So I'm breaking even, but doing the, the podcast gives me the chance to sell my books, to talk about my books. Uh, to slip them in when I'm having a conversation with another author or when we're talking about um, publishing or marketing or whatever. So I, I use it that when I use it as a networking, you know, as a networking tool to find publishers and to find other authors and other podcasts uh, basically to hang out with. You know, it's funny is whenever that leaf blower goes off, I keep thinking of War of the Worlds. <laughs> like that was something that like that scared the, whenever i hear one of those fire sirens that go off in towns when i was a kid i thought that was it i thought an alien was coming down and killing everybody like that is 
see that's the type of horror i like it's something that it doesn't it's not all about murder it's not all about oh someone's got to have their head chopped off and you shit down their neck no it's got to be something that can like holy crap there's an alien invasion and it's not like body snatchers it's straight up like people are disintegrating and there's a giant fire siren that's going (laughs) off it's going to make you dead scared whenever the uh whenever the tom cruise version of that comes on my wife gets me. She hates Tom Cruise. I mean, absolutely. I, I'm right there with her. He's and, got uh, a tooth in the middle of his forehead. <laughs> if anybody pays attention. But I love that movie so much. I like kind of get past that it's that it's him in that movie. But I'll I'll just put that. It's one of those movies I'll just put on no matter where no matter where it is. But if she's in the house, I got to turn it off because she gets so mad. I watched that one after I saw Scary Movie that did a parody of that. So every time I watch it, I keep looking at it like, all right, where's the jokes? This is getting real (laughs) serious and dark. Yeah. Have you ever had, I guess, um, an amazing fan experience? Like one that really kind of still you remember to this day, like somebody commenting on something or somebody uh, wanting, maybe giving you like a little speech of how the book might have affected your life or something. Yeah, the one that comes to mind is I was writing that Flagger Beach fiction series and uh, we were doing a book signing in Flagler Beach, me and two other authors, at a little uh, outdoor uh, patio uh, at a wine place. And uh, the place I used to sit in Kokomo's, the, the lady who owns it, she called me and she said, where are you? Are you in town? And I said, yeah, I'm, act- I'm over here doing a book signing. She's like, I'm going to send somebody over. She wants to meet you. And I said, okay. And that's all she said. She, her and her husband are on a motorcycle. Okay. So as I'm sitting there, this woman comes up and she's got tears in her eyes. And she just, she says, are you, are you Armin? I said, yes. And she hugs me. And I was like, okay. And in the meantime, her husband's still on the bike and he's like this huge biker dude, you know? So I'm like, am I going to get my ass kicked? What's going on? And she said, I just want you to know that my sister died two weeks ago and we're down here. We were down here for the funeral and everything. And I've been crying nonstop. I've, 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 I've been a mess. She said, and I was in Kokomo's. I'm friends with the owners, Mark and Tina. And I saw your book because I was selling the books there. And she said, I said, what's this? And, and Tina says, just buy the first one. It's really good. You'll like it. She said, I took your book. I'm, I'm, I'm crying. I walked across the street to the beach and I sat down on a towel and I read your entire book. I just sat there and got sunburned reading your book. And it just took me completely out of everything out of my headspace for like those few hours. She said, I'm just so grateful for that because that was the first thing that distracted me from my sister's passing. And, uh, it's, and I mean, she's saying this in front of everybody. So we're all crying. I mean, everybody in the place is crying and uh, it was really emotional. So I think I, I think I was working on the, maybe the fourth or maybe the fifth book at that point. So I actually put her, and her husband in the book as characters uh, in the book. And that was just really super cool. And to this day, we're, we, we're still in touch and um, she still, she'll still buy my books. And anytime she's around when, when she's down, cause she's from like Tennessee or something, anytime she's down in Flagger, uh, her and her husband will send a message. And if I'm available, I'll, I'll ride over there and we'll go and we'll hang out for a little bit. And it's just, so I, I, I made a lifelong friend and, um, you know, and it was very, it was a really emotional thing. It was just something that always, um, you know, always st- will stay with me. Yeah, you felt like you touched somebody. You're able to really kind of move somebody. It's crazy because, like, 
I never truly appreciated thrift shops or like books or libraries or anything until I guess hit college. Um, this is only a couple of years ago. So I reading on your own and trying to find something to expand your own knowledge, you realize the fount fountain of power. It really is like um, where I used to work. I used to work at like an old, like, mall it's called gold coast mall anybody listening that's from there or ocean city knows what i'm talking about but it's like they barely get any traffic worst place to open up a business it was like a one of those like five dollar t-shirt stores were in there then there was a surf shop at surf shop i would get a customer a day so it was like a pretty smooth easy paycheck for a winter job but there was a bookcase that they had outside of the store inside the mall and it was like leave a book or take a book and people would just leave these books. I mean, Harry Potter, I was trying to read, couldn't really get into it. So I ended up finding something else, but I was learning all about like the Holocaust, all these types of biographies. Everything was a, like a treasure pulling it out. And it was like, donate if you want, it goes to a good cause or something. And I, yeah, you bet your ass I would donate money just to be able to get a little bit of information because you can't find that stuff on the internet. There's a different thing when you're putting a book online compared to when you're reading it in person for some reason the information soaks in for me better if I'm able to hold it in my hands and be able to flip back and forth plus they give more info when it's in a book yeah and and and, and that's you know that's the fun too I was lucky because I, I've always read I read from the time I was a kid I always read but it's always interesting for me to to meet people to meet readers and they're new readers and they're like, oh, over the last few years, I, I really started reading, uh, you know, books or I, I loved horror movies, but I was getting bored with them. And I started reading horror books. Um, we know when zombies were really big, tons of readers funneled into that. They love The Walking Dead. And then they started reading zombie. They started reading zombie books. And um, so I, for me, I mean, that's that's a great thing. I, I have something similar in front of my house. It's called a little free library. And me and my wife put up and I put books and I even put some of my books in there and all the all the kids in the neighborhood come and they they grab books and they leave books and uh, and it's neat and I, I get a ton of traffic out there every day doing this and it's all free I mean I, I buy books all the time and I'll put them in the library and stamp them and uh, and people just take them people come from all over the place and they'll come uh, and and take them which is pretty neat. Are you ready for this 95 mile an hour fastball pitch idea for a book? <laughs> so you, you got your, you got your library, the little thing where you can put a book on. Imagine if you, it's like a story kind of realism here. You put a book there and one of the kids picks up your book and you've been slowly talking about how you've been murdering things in the neighborhood and the kid's <laughs> just finding out and he's like afraid to tell anybody because you know that they believe him because you're already an established author that could have this like whole thing. So it's like, oh, you're just crazy. That's, that's no, that's, that's not true. That's not true. And it turns into this long commute where you get arrested and then it's this whole thing. It's a mind blow scenario, man. <laughs> I'll add it to the list. Because, uh, um, see, like any types of things like this, are you at any point trying to focus on maybe getting a movie deal with one of your books? Has there been any, like even a premise of it happening? So right now, as we're talking, I have seven different stories that uh, companies, small companies have taken a flyer on. So, um, and then we just re-up re every year or every two years, whatever the contract is, so. I'm actually making really good money and the, and the, and the movies haven't even been made. I mean, we've had a couple that have gone to script, but uh, nothing has happened. And I've worked for a company. I did 14 different books 
uh, for a, a very small company in California. And only to date, only one of the movies was made into uh, a movie. And it was actually being, it was actually, the movie was being filmed while I was writing the book. So every day they would send me the dailies of, of hey, this is what part we're, we're filming. And I would basically write the book based on watching the movie in parts and then put it together as a, as a book because they wanted a book version of the movie as well. So that's the only one that's officially been released, but there's a bunch of them that uh, were filmed that to my knowledge that has never been put out, but they gave me a, a lot of money for those. And it, I was able to, the first contract I got, I was able to pay all my bills for almost a year just on the money they were giving me. I was about to say, because you tossed out the concept of Bigfoot living in a park in New Jersey. I'm like, that's way fucking better than Bird Box. Bird Box was a horrendous piece of shit. Hey, hey, hey. Josh is my buddy, so so watch. The, Wait, the you bird, he wrote Bird Box? Josh Mallerman. Tell him the first five minutes was amazing. <laughs> it was like the happening. I love. You it. read the. You got to read the book. Don't watch them. Okay, the, the movie. I just. I think it's Sandra Bullock. I don't know what it is about her, but I'm looking at her. But like she just has that that face where it's like you look like you're sucking on a lemon twenty four seven. Josh is Josh is Josh is a buddy of mine. All right. Well, tell Josh. Josh, I'm sorry if you're <laughs> listening, but I like the first couple minutes. The part of people running out in the traffic and stuff. Just the rest of the movie. Sandra Bullock. It was too much Bullock. <laughs> I'll, I'll let them i'll let them know but uh hey armin i appreciate you for doing the podcast man is there anything you can promote to tell people where to find like your twitter instagram where they can find some books uh obviously i'm on amazon you can find me there also follow me on i'm very active on twitter at at uh armon author a-r-m-a-n-d-a-u-t-h-o-r i'm on facebook i have an uh an author page on there. You can find me there. I'm, I'm not on there all the time. And I'm also on Instagram at project and net. Um, I run project entertainment network, which is my podcast group. We have over 30 podcasts. So you can find it at projectentertainmentnetwork.com as well. I'll make sure I link it all in the description and thank you for listening to this episode of out of the blank podcast. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you want to visit iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, and even share the show. Helps me out. Leave me a little something like a little message about oregano or Domino's pizza or how Papa John's is evil. Thanks for checking out Out of the Blank Podcast.